To you it's just a game, for me it's all I know I make them remember my name before I have to go Losing, I can't fathom, that's a champion's passion Confidence never lacking, drop the beat, let's attack them They be checking for the content, you tired of that nonsense No gimmicks, break limits, quality is I promise This is more than a show, this is a way of life Cause the game as it grows, takes us to higher heights Check the stats before you check me And don't tell me who the greatest if you don't know the history Robert Ramon and Carlos the new big three and if the pins ain't from them don't bring them to me because i go off like a rocket launcher man i just hate the beat i'm a real monster i can hear the crowd chanting mvp that's my mantra here's a standing on for the opinionated bench warmers Here we are. We back, baby. We back. We back. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. What? It's not to play games with him. We not playing. What's up? We in here. Got applause and drop in music. Hey man, we've been working, man. We've been working. Welcome to the Opinionated Benchwarmers Podcast, episode fifty-seven. The OB Boys are back. Man, when I when Jay spit that portion of it, bro, I'm feeling them right now, man. We back in here, like Jordan Wayne, the 4-5, the opinionated bench warmers. The voice you're hearing is Rob. I got my boy Los with me. What's happening, Los? What's going on, man? You staying safe? Family safe? How you how you managing this COVID situation, bro? Man, I'm just, I'm right, really, what I'm doing is I'm following directions, man. The biggest thing is staying locked in, uh, staying at home, staying safe, you know. Um, I'm happy to, to hear fight, it. Get through this, you know. Man, you got some big news, man. Some big news since we last recorded, man. I don't know if you want to share it, but... Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, we just had a little one, man. Yeah. You know, a lot, a lot yeah. has happened since we last recorded, man. Yeah. You know, you had, pandemic, yeah. we had a little one. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm so happy, man. I can't wait to meet my new nephew, bro. Man, so uh, so it's just me and you here today. Uh, shout out to our other brother, Ramon. Uh, he's going through, you know, going through a little situation. He's taking a little personal time, which we understand, but we just want you to know, Ramon, we got that seat reserved for you. So whenever you get back, man, we can't wait to have you back to hear your perspective. And I'm sure the listeners feel the same exact way that we feel about you, man. We love you, brother. Oh, yeah, man. I can't wait to get back so I can get on them coats, man. Get, get on them coats hard <laughs> as the season, as NFL season approaches. Hey, look, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, every time, bro. We giving the people what they want, man. We back in here, man. It's a new toy. Don't know how to. <laughs> it's not to play games with you. All right, I'm done. So, bro, a lot has transpired in there since we last recorded, man. I don't know where to start. We just have pinpoints of what we want to discuss. Uh, 
before we get started, let's let the followers know that, as you can see, we reloaded, we back, we better than ever, and Los, we got to let them know, man, that um, they need to follow us on Instagram, man. Let them know, man. What's our Instagram, bro? Los, let them know, man. Yeah, man. Well, you know, I, of course, you can be followed on Instagram and Twitter at O underscore Benchformers. Um, you know, but we got a lot going on right now. We we pushing out some content. We got we we got the video aspect added to this now, and you know we now we're we're, we're looking at doing a YouTube. You know the YouTube. Is oh, you giving them too much. You giving them too oh, much. Oh, 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 up, too up, much up, 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 up. I had to edit that out. We got a YouTube coming, man. That's big news. All right, let me stop. I'm gonna get a little carried away, man. I'm having too much fun. I'm having too much fun. So, yeah, we do have a YouTube, man. Let them know how our Twitter popping, man. 700 plus followers. Let them know, man. What's our Twitter? No, man, our Twitter, yeah, same, like I said, same as the Instagram, O underscore Benchwarmer. So, we are definitely taking off right now, man. We really use this downtime to expand our our brand, you know, and we're working on some other stuff, too. For sure. So, uh, when that YouTube drops and when it officially releases and when there's some content, we're going to release the name of our YouTube and you'll be able to share this experience not only on our iTunes, uh, right now, we're on so many platforms, um, as far as recording. That's why we're moving to YouTube, bro. We feel like we dominate our listening platform. It's time for them to see us, man. See the voices behind, see the faces behind the voices that they're hearing all the time. But as you can always check us out, you can check the recording on iTunes, uh, I mean, Apple. I'm sorry, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Just, just Google Opinionated Benchwarmers in Google, and I'm sure you'll find a platform that you can listen to. So let's get it popping, man. So the last dance, man. The last dance. We, you know, we've discussed it a couple times, but I wanted this experience to be as genuine as possible. So we really didn't talk much because we wanted to save it for the podcast, bro. The Last Dance featuring Michael Jordan in their 1998 championship run. Man, I don't know about you, but I remember that run vividly because I was six years old. And before I even knew what basketball was, my dad made sure that we saw every single game versus the Utah Jazz. And, you know, low-key, Los, I never admitted this to you. I don't know if you knew, but I really started off as an MJ fan before I was a Kobe fan. Now, of course, when I became of age and started understanding the sport, of course, I became more of a Kobe fan because he played throughout the era that I was older. But I really started off as an MJ fan. I had an MJ basketball goal and everything. So I remember where I was when that happened. So the doc kind of was, like, interested in me because it was, like, now that I'm a, an adult, you know, uh, what that is, like, uh, 22 years later. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was able to put some context with it, bro. More, but. More. What were your thoughts, man? Just to start off, you know, as we ease into the topic, what was your thoughts of the documentary, man? How'd you like it? Well, first I'll say, uh, I think you were probably one of the lucky ones to really pay attention to in that era. Um, I know a lot of our generation, you know, um, didn't, you know, get a chance to really enjoy Michael because he came in the league in 84, um, you know, and a lot of his championship years happened when we were younger, probably watching cartoons. So I would say you were one of the lucky ones to get to capture that. So I didn't know much about Mike and his runs and championship runs. So my biggest takeaway was, you know, a lot of people paint Michael Jordan as this winner and he won, won, won. 
but he had some years in there where he, he lost. You know, the Detroit Pistons, like they said, beat him up. You know, I didn't really know about that part or how deep it was and how, many, how much he got beat up and lost. And even when he retired and came back, you know, he had a season in there where he lost and then won three more, of course. So I know a lot of people paint Michael Jordan as, oh, you know, he got these championships. But he had to go through some losing first to kind of get to that point. So that, that that was one of the big takeaways that I kind of got from there. I think one of the biggest takeaways uh, that I got from it is that if you watch this documentary and you do not regard Michael Jordan as the greatest of all time, you may have to question your evaluation of the sport and ask yourself is is, is biases involved in your decision to to say something like that. You know me better than anyone. You and Ramon know me, and all three of us combined would say that Kobe Bryant is the GOAT, and which I do still feel like he is, but I can say uh, more specifically and accurately that he's my GOAT, you know. But MJ is the GOAT. I mean, uh, the documentary just highlighted so many points of what made him the GOAT, not only going 6-0 and in the finals, six NBA finals, um, MVPs, but it's just the way that he did it, his competitiveness, his effect on the culture with his shoes, you know, um, you saw in the doc, I don't know what episode it was, but we covered one through 10, so we're discussing it all at one point, so we're not going to pinpoint what doc or what episode it is, it was 10 of them, but, you know, the specific episode was set out to me is that his agent said that his main goal for MJ was to create um, individuality, a lot like the tennis players at the time. Uh, tennis players was, of course, is an individual sport, so they were marketed that way. So he wanted MJ to be marketed that way, and he did a hell of a job. I mean, it wouldn't be no LeBron shoes. It wouldn't be no Kobe shoes. It wouldn't be no Westbrook shoes. It wouldn't be no Giannis shoes if it wasn't for MJ and the impact that he had on the league. Not only that was that you could see the popularity of the sport was peaking when Magic and Bird started. And they put it laid it out laid out the foundation of the sport becoming popularity worldwide. But MJ took that baton and ran with it and made the sport one of the most popular sports ever. And you know it had people saying, "Look, we we want to look towards individuals as a full, as uh as opposed of looking at the team." So MJ impact after watching it, I'm like, yeah. No doubt about it. I mean, he's the goat. Uh, just impact. I don't. I don't feel like any player even has the uh, opportunity to be in the conversation of being the greatest of all time because of what he was able to do for the sport. No, that, that's that's huge because the one when you're speaking of how he just expanded the sport and made it global, you know, and they talk about those dream teams, you know, that really and. MJ being the leader pretty much or the best player on those dream team really is what launched the NBA into being the, the, the brand that it is. Um, you know, and listen, to another huge takeaway is you talking about the shoes, you know, that made, reminded me of, you know, how, how, how mad are you, you know, this day, you know, when the Adidas, you know, wanted to be the team, well, wanted is where Michael Jordan really wanted to sign with before Nike. You know, in the documentary, they said that he wanted to be with Adidas. You know, he didn't even want to take a meeting with Nike, but it took his mother convincing him to go with Simon. Yeah, that was Nike. interesting. Yeah, that was dope. Right. Think about how big and how different the world would be right now, you know, um, if Michael Jordan would have actually signed with Adidas 
would Adidas be that most popular shoe right now? You know, mm-hmm. which Nike right now, of course, holds that spot for obvious reasons with everyone pretty much wanting to sign with them with the biggest names signing between LeBron, Giannis, Kobe, you know, want to sign with Nike. Um, and so just think about how that would have changed everything at this aspect. If, you know, Adidas missed out on the biggest fish, you know, um, that day um, because they didn't, I guess, I, I don't remember exactly the details, but I believe they didn't want to come to give him the numbers that he wanted to give. Well, I would just think that if there's anybody left in that building from that moment, they probably lost their job. Just the mark of marketability, even if you look past now, Jordan's been retired since 03. Um, I want to say from the Wizards, and it's 2020. He's still releasing shoes that he released in the 90s, in the late 80s. He's still making money on that. Nike's still making money. On top of Jordan as a brand, has other things going for it. Like they may, they probably make the most money off their retros. But I mean, Jordan has everything: socks, jerseys, everything, bro. He's sponsoring colleges. Colleges have Jordan brand, uh, Jordan brand, you know, uh, apparel. Like you, you look at University of Oklahoma. I think they have Jordan apparel. North Carolina, UNC, of course. You know, and I, I don't even, but I, I mean, right off the bat, those are the two that come to mind. But they missed out on a lot of money, bro. But uh, I mean, it kind of made me evaluate as well with with Jordan. Uh, is the NBA water down to you after seeing that? You know, and I want to say like preface it by saying that one of the reasons why Kobe is our favorite player is because he's nothing. That's another thing. Let, let me back up. Another thing that really kind of, I don't know if you felt this way. You're a Kobe fan, just like myself, a la Ramon. But to me, I really didn't understand the impact that MJ had on Kobe until I watched this documentary. Like, I I heard about how Kobe was a lot like MJ and was the closest thing to MJ. But to actually see Kobe say it himself that it wouldn't be no me, without MJ and that he would rack his brain and, and you know it kind of made me say like look man like MJ like my love for Kobe really comes from MJ so if I love Kobe then I have to love MJ because it wouldn't be no Kobe did you feel that way ever that you know in watching as being a long time Kobe fan did you really contextualize how much MJ impacted Kobe because until I saw the doc it it really didn't really set in for me Right. Well, I think, no, that, to answer your question, yes. You know, until I saw the doc, that's when I really realized what the relationship was because they kept their, their I guess, their friendship, the little brother, big brother friendship, secretive almost, you know, and that doc kind of showed that they were much closer than, um, you know, that they showed to the public, you know. Um, you know, and Kobe, like he, he being honest and candid on there, on the doc, you know, uh, rest in peace. Um, he he um, pretty much said, hey, you know, I, a lot of my moves, you know, came from him, you know. And even Michael Jordan said, you know, the only person I think can beat me is probably Kobe because he stole all my moves, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that's just them showing respect for each other. And then I appreciate Kobe, you know, saying that, no, don't compare me to him, you know. And pretty much, pretty much giving the crown to him, saying, hey, you know, 
he is the GOAT. You can't compare us because I got my stuff from him. So that in that context was just like, okay, you know, Kobe is coming out saying that because you really never really hear Kobe come out and say, you know, this person is better than me, this person this, and really bow down almost, you know, um, for lack of a better term. But you never really hear him say that, but you can really tell that shows their relationship between him and MJ that he was willing to do that, that he really was a big brother, a big brother feature, uh, figure to him um, and a mentor. Yeah, man. I- it was interesting to see, man. I mean, just listening to you talking, you know, about uh, kind of going into prior to this doc, like you said, like it it was always interviews where people would ask him about Kobe and what who he was to him. But we didn't really understand how close it was. So when, you know, I remember it was a certain time we was interviewed, just like you said, he was like, oh, Kobe will beat me because he steals all my moves. We not knowing that Kobe – consulted with MJ, you know, it was always, you know, comparing the two and, and making them enemies and trying to make it like Kobe so against MJ and, and, and in the behind the scenes, they're like family. And, you know, what was interesting to me, like you said, it, it made me think about the times where Kobe was being compared to LeBron in those days and which as Kobe fans, we didn't like that because it just seems like the media always tries to skip over how great Kobe was with LeBron. But even those times, and they'll ask him, and they'll be like, Who, who's better? Who would you want to play with? He's like, man, I want to play with Kobe because Kobe's a winner. You know, we're not understanding where that love came from. He was like, man, MJ really respected Kobe. Like, even if you look at Rest His Soul, Kobe Bryant, but even at the memorial service, and MJ was crying. You know, and when Kobe, he said, when Kobe died, a piece of me died. So, I really thought that was interesting, and, you know, it, it, it really heightened my respect for MJ so much more uh, with this documentary because I feel like MJ is not the one, even he said in the doc, I'll never say that I'm the greatest of all time. That's not for me to say. That's for other people to say. We've always heard from other people, the media, everybody, but now seeing this documentary going into detail about how great he was from the start as a rookie, Los, to the end, it was amazing to watch, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like, I mean, you said it, bro. I think he really, he, he, he you know, and, and I take it, I'm taking everything in perspective here because, again, a doc, of course, is going to paint Michael Jordan in a positive light, but I like how they mm-hmm. they dipped into some of his negativity yes. stuff. You know, that he yeah. was not perfect. I like that, too. He was not the, the God figure that he was back then, you know, um, yeah, you know, with his gambling. Showed it, it yeah. showed his personality more. You know, we don't really hear much from Mike as we get older. Yeah. But it's personality more and how he dealt with teammates. And, you know, I know he got a lot of backlash for that. And he got a lot of backlash for this documentary, if you're being honest. He got a lot of backlash because, you know, a lot of people, a lot of his old teammates were really on the Jerry Krause side of things. And yeah. they really don't like how he treated them as a teammate. And, you know, Scott, I heard rumors that Scottie Pippen, was actually mad how he was painted in this documentary, you know, with the whole last shot when Jordan was, you know, retired for that season or whatever. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it, it, I like how it, it, again, showed not only that putting Jordan on his pedestal, but also um, that he had this downside and he has his, his downfalls, you know. What do you think about Jerry Cross, the the GM, and how he fitted in all of this? Like you said a lot. Like I heard you even kind of, you know, gloss over. But I really wanted to to go into a little bit of detail. But with Jerry Cross and 
you know, the doc starting out in episode one saying that it was called The Last Dance because of Phil Jackson um, after he was told that he could go 72 and, I mean, I'm sorry, 82 and 0, and he still would not be asked to be the Chicago Bulls coach. Jerry Cross showed a lot of ego, an unnecessary ego in the formation of his team. He proved himself to be a great GM. And being able to form this team, you know, with Scottie Pippen, you know, creating a deal to bring in Dennis Rodman. Then you look at Horace Grant. You look at even Steve Kerr being brought in. You know, Joey Paxson. You got all of these guys that he was able to fit a team that could play around MJ. And, you know, you're coming up on off of two back-to-back championships. And before you're able to obtain the third one in 98, you say that you're telling Phil Jackson one of the greatest coaches of all time because of your ego, nothing more than that, that this is his last season. Isn't that crazy? I mean, who in their life as a GM, you're dreaming of success. At that point, they won five championships. You're dreaming of that type of success. And yet, you're saying you're going to bust up the team? Yeah, um, I think a lot of that, like you said, came this ego. And a lot of that came with his cockiness, you know, because he did put together that team that ended up winning six championships in the 90s, you know. So, you know, a lot of that was he saw the writing on the wall with that team was starting to age. And he saw that, you know, a lot of those players were due for contracts, you know, and trying to fit that all in, you know, instead of doing a retool, you know, like you would think they would do at that time, he tried to do a full rebuild. Um, you know, and, you know, like Michael Jordan said towards the end of that documentary, he felt like they could have went for seven, you know, and that's one of his wow. regrets is that that team wasn't put back together to go for seven, and he holds that grudge to this day. Yeah, you don't, you know? and they try to justify it, even the owner in the documentary trying to justify, oh, it was his time to rebuild. What? You just won, you just won your fifth, your sixth championship. Like, what? what is there to rebuild? You rebuild when you fail. And, so, and mean, as you can see, the franchise has really never been has never reached that pinnacle ever again at, to that to, at least to that degree. Right. So I mean, to me as a GM in his shoes, I'm rolling that thing to the to, to wheels fall off. You know, you know you you keep going. We fail. Okay. You know now my players aging. Let's get on out of here. Let's see what I can get for these players. Not starting the season. Hey, you put that nasty taste in. You know your fan base, you know your your team, your whole organization. Mild by saying coming out saying that comments. If one thing I wish, I think Jerry Krause, if he can, you know, he he passed away too. So you know, rest in peace to him. Oh, rest in peace. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, 2017. One of the things I think if he can that if he can go back and change, I think it will be at the start of the season saying that you know um, the the coach is going to be replaced no matter what his record. If he can go 82 and no. I don't know what, you know, made him say that at the time, but I think that would be the one thing. If he can change that, he would do that. Because, again, as a businessman, as a GM of a team, that there's no positivity. There's no positive coming out of saying that statement before a season. So, if I were to say that Jerry, Jerry Cross was the most egotistical GM in sports history, would I get an argument for anyone from anyone? Um, I mean, 
problem because people love to argue. You know, especially sports. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, yeah, they can argue, but I mean, I have some I mean, fuel in the tank. I but, mean, right? Do right, you believe but I would it? Say he'd do be up there, top five. But I also say he's top five in you know GMs of all time too. You know, I give him his his flowers because yeah, of that's what he true. Did, yeah, that's you true. Know? Because yeah, he had that negative side. And he broke up that team probably you know a season or two too early, but. He really, he was the mastermind behind putting those parts together. Michael Jordan, yes, he was one guy, and he put the team on his back. But to draft Scotty, and you right. know, which you know, that's a good transition. And maybe you know, I will say top five, but you say yeah, I like how you did that. Yeah, that's I agree with that. But let's talk about Scotty. I always oh. knew Scotty was good, you know, because we had to battle him in the, in the early two thousand as Lakers fans. When we was playing the Blazers in the Western Conference Finals, and we Pippen gave us fits, but I had no idea he was regarded as probably the best player in the NBA under Jordan. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he was getting paid like the one hundred or whatever player, so that was yeah. You know, if you think about it, he is the reason that team was able to be so good because again, how cheap he came, you know, because he excuse me signed a. Uh, a contract, you know, at the time that was cheap, and then all the NBA went into TV deals. So, but so, how GP came, the the Bulls are able to add other pieces and sign other players and bring in talent because yeah. they had Pippen on such a cheap, long deal. So, I mean, he is, to me, he was the key. You know, you know how every team kind of has that, what do you call it, that, um, that, um, that, uh, I can't look for the word. It's like that special player almost, um, to get it like for the Lakers back in the day, you know, when they won when Shaq left, it was Lamar Odom. You know, he was that kind of that piece that their team needed, you know. So every team kind of has that one little, that play, not little player, but that one player that kind of puts the team over the top. And without Scotty, you know, that team, I don't see that team winning that many championships. Yeah, I, I don't see it. You know, even MJ said in a documentary that if Pippen, if there was no Pippen, there's no, there would be no me. There would be no MJ. Um, I think I thought particularly. I, I kind of want to back up and just kind of uh, settle with the contract situation. And uh, you know, the documentary kind of conveyed. You know, they show Scotty conveying that he took the deal because at the time, you know, he he needed money, and you know. He didn't want to risk not, you know, getting anything. So, what, what do you think about his take with that? That he was willing to do that, and does it speak to Jerry Cross and the owner? Who's the owner of the Bulls? Because he he's just as much as uh responsible that even with the, him signing that poor deal, I still feel like they could have renegotiated it, but they chose not to, which was wrong. You know, so I mean, I know it's a business at the end of the day, but you don't swindle them. And at the end of the day, they say Pippen, uh at the end of his career made just as much as MJ almost, you know, and that's on contracts. I don't think, I know it's not off the court, but, um, yeah. but you know, I mean, I think he made that right. But I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, would, if you was in that situation and you was being offered a deal, but you know, you're better, you know, I like, we're going to end up talking about Dak Prescott. That's what's going on with him right now, but we'll say that for later on. But would you, would you bet on yourself or would you just take the, the, the sorry deal? So, I mean, it's a combination. I think it's a combination of, a, of multiple things that happened to Scottie Pippen during that time when he signed that contract. I think, you know, coming from, like he said, you know, how they painted it was he's coming from a small town, right, you know, where a lot of his, you know, 
his family and stuff. He wanted that long, um, secure, you know, contract because of where he came from. And, you know, he doesn't, he didn't realize that, you know, season or two that the, the NBA was going to get into all these TV deals, which then brings in, brings up the NBA cap, you know. And so he's locked into this deal almost to take care of himself, you know, just in case of anything happened, but didn't think about it you know, long-term as far as, you know, branding himself, you know. And so that it's, it's, I think it's just the timing was all bad for it all, you know, and it, it really was unfortunate. And as a GM, you know, they're like, as long as he's playing, you know, why not? You know, he tried to sit down that time and, you know, use that season to, to get surgery and sit out. And that was his way of, like, justifying him, you know, not getting paid enough that he was going to do stuff on his terms. And so Phil Jackson, I think, at the time was the perfect coach for that because he had all these personalities, all these things going on, but he was a good way of bringing these players together and understanding players when they're going through stuff. And just Phil Jackson, I think to this day, I thank Jerry Krause for blessing the Lakers with Phil Jackson. Yeah. If he would have never broke up that team and said, hey, no, I want to keep you as long as I want. You know, as long as you want to stay here type of thing, you know, because, again, obviously the documentary didn't talk about it much, but it obviously Phil Jackson and Jerry Krause kind of, they were like this. Obviously, know? if you were willing to break obviously, up. Yeah. You know, so if it wasn't for them kind of butting heads a little bit, who knows where Kobe and Shaq would be with their championships with Phil Jackson and bringing the triangle to the team. You know, would that, would we ever have those championships? You know, hard to say without Phil Jackson because, again, Phil Jackson was a proven winner when he came to the Lakers already with six championships. Um, so it's interesting. Um, but that long-term deal, you know, it just wasn't smart because you don't see players these days locking into seven-year deals. That's unheard of these yeah. days. You know, these players now are betting on themselves. Three and three, yeah. One plus ones or three years. Right. If it's – if it's. If they sign, the most they're gonna sign is a four year deal with a three year with a one year option. So right. after three years, uh, so, which LeBron did to us, but um, I, I mean I, I agree with you. You said a lot, you know, you know, and I, I think the piece that kind of was overshadowed with with Michael Jordan is I think just as much as this documentary showed how great MJ was, it also like you kind of skimp touched on it. It kind of showed how great Phil Jackson is. You know, I always did say Phil Jackson was the greatest co- is the greatest coach of all time that I may have ever seen. You know, and I hope I regard uh, I, I say Nick Saban's up there as well. But you know, one one thing about Phil is not only his uh, not only his ideology of the game, but it's like you said, his mentality, bro. Like he really knows how to manage personalities. You know, he managed the big egos with with Dennis from Dennis Rodman to to MJ, then Kobe to Shaq. You know, you think of the times that he was able to manage Ron Artest. You know, it, it, it's you know he's a great coach because he's able to manage those crazy personalities and just how you you know it was interesting to see how you know he he brought uh, meditation and and yoga to practice to calm players. And like, what coach is going to that length of calmness? You know, you look at MJ even in the in the documentary. MJ man, he talked so much trash. You know, telling guys make a layup. You know, calling uh um who was that Burrell? Ironically, your last name. He was getting on Burrell, just telling, calling him out of his name. You know, bullying Burrell. So it was just kind of you know those things like that that you see that that made that team. But I think that 
Phil Jackson is probably the greatest coach of all time, regardless of sport. No, definitely, definitely one of you gotta say he is one of the greatest coaches of all time, like top three, if not one. Um, you know, he's got some work to do on the GM side of things, you know, <laughs> president side of things. But as far as coaching and bringing players together, you know, he is second to none. You know, um, he is he is the Zen master. You know, the Zen master, and that's why he has that nickname. Um, but yeah. I mean, overall, to me, I'll say good documentary, a good, you know, it was our break from what was going on in the world and yeah, and how how so, well put together, you know, and, you know, just bring in that deep 90s feel to it. I loved it. And I love the competitiveness, you know, to these days. Yeah. Think about that, man. I'm going to touch on this real quick is how honest, you know, Mike MJ was in the press conference about his talent. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't see that. That's rare. You know, he was just talking about, you know, certain players doing certain things. He shouldn't have done that. You know, like, this is during that day. Like, players talking trash to him, and he go and talk to the, the press conference afterwards and talk trash, you know, and, like, in the press conference. You don't see that too often. No, you before. don't. I mean, you don't see guys. That, guys though. these days, you know, and they kind of go into the water down, uh, which, which I'm going to get to in a second. But uh, I like it. Uh, I like what you said. And, you know, to kind of bounce off Phil Jackson, just to go back to him just so we can wrap up the Phil portion of it. Did you know that Phil didn't – I didn't know this – didn't invent the triangle offense? No, uh, yeah, I knew he didn't. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So that was that was interesting to me. And then you just think that that's what Phil is known for, bro. Uh, that was that was interesting. But, like, but, but what you said, let, let's get into it, man. It's the NBA watered down. And the reason why I put it in there because you just brought it up. And just talking about how MJ was able to – was interacting with the press conference, was more than willing to talk to the press, except for that one time where they had got a little disrespectful, you know, asking about gambling with his dad. That was crossing the line. But other than that, you saw in the documentary before that, you know, anything regarding anything on the basketball floor, he was willing to talk about. And you see a lot of times I, – I think the only guy that's willing to talk to the media really is LeBron. That's the only one I see that willing to go into detail, you know, treat him with respect. You know, it's like you said, MJ was was a stand-up guy when it came to the media. Right. Yeah, no, he definitely, you know, like they said, he was just present, you know, and always present and always showing his personality to the media, you know, besides that one time when they were doing those things, you know, doing what the media do, but he was present, you know, and the media loved him for that, you know, and, and I think he was he was honest to the media, and, you know, and he was personable to the media, and the media loved that, you know. Not to mention, he's the best. He was at the time the best player in the world. Right. So, and everybody wanted a piece of him, as you can see. Right. Man, I, I, you know, when I say the NBA is watered down, I mean it goes into it. Is this the competitiveness, bro? Like you know, it was that portion of it where he said, "I don't think." You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I only right off the bat, I only can think of three people that may be cut from that cloth. Uh Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard, Giannis, and Kyrie. I think that those are the only players that I see that really want to compete. Um when you say compete, I think what you mean is probably like 
had that mama mentality, meaning I'm a I'm a I'm a kid. I'm a kid. Right, right. And the those guys they had that portion of their mind where it's like MJ and them wasn't trying to be friends. You say Jimmy Butler? That's another one. I could see Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy. Yeah, definitely Jimmy. So, but what when I say watered down is what I'm saying. It's like the guys are scared to compete. Like I saw in that documentary, it was tons and tons of examples of MJ, and the the meme has been made about it is that I took that personally. When Charles Barkley won MVP that year and they faced him in the in the conference finals, MJ said that I said to myself, "Okay, you got that. You got the MVP, but you're not about I'm." I'm a I'm a beat you up in the series. Uh, you look when they played um, against uh, when in Tony Kukoc when he was a, a overseas sensation, and Jerry Cross was about, went behind the team's back and was already negotiating terms of his deal. When 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 uh, MJ was a part of the dream team and Pippen was facing Tony Kukoc, they said we about to show you why he not on my level. You know, and then the most famous example that I liked the, the most was, was the Clyde Drexler one, man, where he was just like, this dude, he not on my level. Like, how many people in the NBA has that type of mentality that I want to compete? You know, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to kill you on the floor. You know, after, you know, I'm not trying to be your friend. You know, I, I want to really be the best. I want to show you what it is. Like, and Kobe, that's how he was. He'll take that little thing, you know, that little thing that you don't even think about. Like, you think about the example that they showed in the documentary where George Carl didn't speak to MJ. And MJ was like, all right, bet. I'm about to, I'm about to just, I'm about to work this team. I'm about to put them out the playoffs. Like, there's not a I don't think that there's any players outside of the ones that I named that really have that mentality, bro. It and that's why I say the NBA is kind of watered down cuz it's like these guys don't want to compete. They want to be friends. Right. No, I mean, and here's the thing, bro. It's like I don't have a problem with almost them being friends because, you know, Michael Jordan had his friends on and off the court and the best of the best players, right? They were friends with but I have a problem when, you know, I feel like it's, you know, we in a world today where they're afraid to speak their mind and to bring it to people. Like, I, I think it goes back to the media. Michael Jordan was going after the media and after games and saying, hey, you know, um, going at these players, you know, and talking about it, you know, and being honest, you know, you don't see that. You get the, you know, you get the publicist answer, you know, you get the, 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 the political answer to everything, you know, but that stuff makes good TV. When you know two players going at it, don't like each other, think about it this way. Dame Lillard and Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. Prime how example. Good, how good was that series last year when we watched it? Hold we up, hold up, Lowe's. You dogs. talking, remember your thought, man. You, you potting too good right now, bro. <laughs> right. So, I mean, those two. Hey, we back, man. 4-5. <laughs> yeah. Those two, right? During the playoffs last year, two dogs. I don't think they hate each other, right? They don't necessarily hate each other, but they can compete. They're two dogs. They're going to compete and go at each other every time they play each other, and they talk trash the whole time. But how entertaining is that for TV? Yeah. How much of that competing brings the best out of them? How much of that went into one of the most iconic 
most memorable playoff moment when he shot that three over Paul George and waved out of mm-hmm. line. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, you know, that's, that's what I what, said. I think that's what people, that's what you mean, that's what you want to see mm-hmm. night in and night out when playing each other. It's like, hey, you got something I want. You in my way. Mm-hmm. I want to win this championship. You yeah. and your team is in my way. And I think that's what that's what it is. Like, it's only a select few that still is cut from that claw. And, you know, just like with Dame, you know, a lot like uh, MJ, I'm not about to join up with these guys. If I win a championship, it's going to be in Portland. You know, how many guys is saying that these days, you know? And like you said, I mean, I think guys are just scared of the pressure. You know, why MJ is regarded as the greatest of all time and why Kobe is up on that level, top five in the NBA, is because... You saw how much pressure they put on themselves? Like, you even see in the documentary at that point when he was ready to retire, you know, and it's rumored that it's other reasons why he retired, but we don't have any proof of that. But what I'll say is that, you know, he has so he won three championships at that point. It's 93. And he's just like, he, he put so much pressure on himself to be great. It wasn't comfortable. It's not fun other than winning. A lot of guys, they shy away from their challenge. And that's why I feel like the NBA is watered down. Now, I feel like once this doc has come out, I think a lot of guys are going to watch this and be like, okay, this is what it. This is where I need to be. This is why MJ was great. He's not great just because the media wanted him to be great. He forced himself to be great. And one of those thing, main things is that he was a competitor. You know, like he said, you know, with dude, they asked him, do you have a gambling problem? He's like, no, I have a competition problem. Like, MJ really was sick when it came to competition. You know, when you talk about the card games on the flights and everything, he wanted to win. And not only did he want to win, you know, they said they gave an example, uh, Joe Paxson said they was betting a dollar on the card game. And in the back, that was with a big money. He was betting hundreds of dollars. MJ say. Uh, he came up there. He wanted to join their table and he told Joey Paxson, he's like, why do you want to compete with us? We're only betting a dollar. He said, because I want, it's, it's, it's a great feeling seeing your money being in my pocket. You know, it's bigger than basketball, bro. What drove Kobe, guys like Kobe, what drives Dame, what drives any guy you say, even Giannis, even Giannis. And we're going to talk about him in just a second in, in, a, in another segment I want to introduce to you. But, you know, these guys, they're they not afraid of competition, bro. And and I think that they was missing that with that. So, do you agree with me? Do you think the NBA is a little watered down after, you see, after seeing the doc? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And it's not just the players' fault. I mean, a bulk of it is. But the NBA don't allow you to hand check. The NBA, won't, you know, the way that they call these games, they want higher scoring games. They want threes. You can't hand check. And that's why, you know, I'm not saying I'd never be the guy to say that LeBron couldn't play in, in, in that era because I think athletes now are bigger, stronger, faster. But I do feel like as though it was defense, bro. Like you could hand check, you could you could you could get up in people's face, but now you could barely breathe on somebody and they calling a foul. That's the era that Kobe came up under, is that, you know, you know, where you where, where defense, like you scoring Averaging 25-plus points back then meant so much because they wasn't giving you nothing easy. So, I, I thought it was well done. I thought it was a well-done doc. Uh, so, the next thing I want to kind of talk about, after seeing this doc and seeing the mentality, what new-age superstar do you feel like could have seen and reached that level 
that MJ is on. Not that it, the table is set for that, but who in the league today you feel as though wants to compete, continuously getting better every year, want to be the best, and not necessarily trying to be buddy-buddy with everybody? What what star could you potentially predict would like be on that Kobe-MJ level to you? Honestly, you know, just watching that documentary, Michael Jordan is just different, you mm-hmm. know, and I, I can't pinpoint, you know, that I can name some players that has that quality and has that mentality, but also have that mentality with the talent level, it's it's hard to match, you know, because um, one may have a mentality but not have the talent level, or one may have the talent but not have the mentality, you know, just to name a few that have, like you mentioned, you know, I, I, I named players like Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is probably one of the hardest working players in the NBA, you know, but is his talent level on Michael Jordan's? Probably not. But his mentality of of MJ is, is right there. You know, if, you know, hey, I want to, I want to get into it. I want to go at you. Let, let, I want to make sure I dominate you this game, you know, and in Miami, as you've seen this year, you know, before the season, it stopped. Um, you know, they were playing well because they were a rugged team that got into you and mixed it up, you know, and their way of playing basketball wasn't for everybody. And so, you know, um, but him, his mentality, I would say right now is the closest to MJ, you know, along with, you know, like Russell Westbrook, you know, um, that, hey, on this floor, I'm coming to kill you. I'm coming to absolutely dominate you. But, you know, to answer your question, I don't think there's anybody in the NBA right now with the mentality and the talent that a Kobe and an MJ had during their time, you know, and I think the NBA is kind of waiting for that player, you know, and I know, you know, they got the LeBron's fans out there, but LeBron is, he went, he's doing things his way, you know, and that's not yeah. to, to say that's wrong, you know, or, or, or it's just different, you know, it's different in the nineties. LeBron is probably going to go down as, you know, st- statistically the best player, you know, Ever, you know, and that, yeah. that can't be argued. The numbers can't be argued, but just the mentality alone is just different yeah. um, than what MJ was. When I look at the scope of the league and I evaluate the young superstars and talent that's coming up, who I could see potentially, I'm not saying that they are MJ, I'm not saying that they're Kobe, because I agree with you. I don't think that there's anybody, I don't think we may, we may not ever see another MJ. You know, uh, the closest thing we saw on that type of level was Kobe. They're, like you say, they're, they're just different animals. They're just different beasts. But the one guy I feel like could watch potentially a young guy who has a lot of years left on his career, who has proven to become better and better every year. He won MVP last year, and he pretty much probably, I would give him the nod over LeBron to win it this year who ha- didn't have a jump shot. Now he has a pretty decent jump shot. I, f- I feel like next year he's going to be shooting very well. Who is not friendly, who don't want to work out with anybody but himself, want to continuously get better every, every year. That guy is Giannis. I feel like Giannis could be the guy that watches this documentary and forms a mentality that is – that he saw how what it takes to be great. I think that it's what this documentary saw. He cares and loves the game. He want to get better every year. He don't want to be buddy-buddy with everybody. And he wants to continuously get better. You heard him go at James Hart. 
You heard, you heard, you know, he's willing to go at players. And I, I feel like he's that one guy, I think, that could watch this documentary and be like, oh, okay, this is what I was doing to get better, but now I'm motivated even more. I got more work to do. That's the guy I got. Yeah, you have to love it. You have to love it. You know, and I think that I think that, that is spot on. Speaking because Giannis is only like 24, 25. It's scary. Nice. Scary. You know, still young. Averaging you 27 know. and 12. And yeah, he so with a with that. a with a okay jump shot. He just right. started really making. You know that's why it burns me up. And I know that I keep mentioning being a dead horse. And again, I preface this by saying I love Ben, former LSU player. But for me to see him from year to year to not get a jump shot, and then you look at a Giannis, that's the that's the different levels of greatness that you're seeing. Like Ben is great. I mean, he can average twenty plus points without one. But you know, are you gonna take that next level? And, you know, find that weakness in your game and get better every year. Like, Giannis is not a great shooter, you know, but this year he's going to take those shots. He's been taking them all year, and he's made a few, you know. So he's going to continuously get better. But, yeah, like I say, uh, so shout-out to MJ. Kobe's my GOAT. MJ is the GOAT. Uh, LeBron is top five right now, which says a lot. Why do LeBron fans feel like that's an insult to LeBron? And LeBron still got at least five more years to play. That's not to say he overall may be the, the best to ever do it, but hold your horses. You know, he has great numbers, um, and I think that he's a great player all around. He's probably one of the best we've ever seen. You know, so he is the one of the best we've ever seen. So, you know, great documentary. I'm going to give him a round of applause because that was a great documentary. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Very good job, ESPN, giving us something to watch. Netflix giving us something to watch. I thought it was a great documentary. Well done. MJ, I see him in a different light now. And I think that, you know, I think that is something for the learn. I'm going to watch it again. Los, what about you? Yeah, I'm gonna give it another spin. You know, I, yeah, um, ten episodes. I'm watching. Yeah. I usually have this rule where I watch stuff, you know, um, you know, not right away, but I kind of give it some time to breathe, and then I may watch it again in a few months, probably. You know, as the NBA starts back. Yeah, well done, man. Well done, man. Hey, hey, bro, we we potting, bro. Hey, we ain't playing no games, man. That was a good segment on the MJ, The Last Dance. There's so much more we could say uh, on it, but, I mean, well done documentary. Um, uh, so, with that being said, let's cap it off, man. I'm going to put you on the spot. Top five players of all time in the NBA. And you don't have to go in no particular order. If you want to, you can. If you don't, that's fine. I just need your top five all time players in the NBA. Of all time, I'm sorry. Okay, so I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the three most talked about in my generation. I can only speak about what I know, what I saw, but I'm gonna go MJ, of course, right? I'm gonna go Kobe, of course, right? And I'm gonna go put LeBron in there. It's top five all time because again, what I'm he's not doing, mad at he's still it. Yeah. Not done. I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at that. Uh, and then now this is kind of where it gets sticky. You know, I gotta go with. Kareem, you know, and what he did and how many points he scored in his time frame and how when defense was different. Six-time NBA champion, nine-time all-defensive player, rookie of the year. 
Right. Uh, uh, how many MVPs? I think he got like six MVPs. Right. Just different, you know. And and so this last one, I always kind of go back and forth between, you know, the two that I always kind of fought during their whole career, Magic and Bird. Um, but, you know, I got to pay – I got to, you know, even though, you know, I'm not in the best – feeling the best about Magic, I'm going to put Magic as that fifth. Mm-hmm. I don't feel good about Magic as a GM or a president, but that's <laughs> that's something different. But I'm gonna put him in as fifth, you know, because he did service us, LeBron. Yeah, uh, I like your top five. I'm not mad at it, man. I I mean, I I actually answered this question on my on our Instagram. Uh, someone asked me that question uh, about my top five all time, and I think we we got the same one. Uh, I'm not going in any particular order, like I said. It's debatable. These guys are near and dear to our heart. Uh, I don't necessarily feel like I'm not mad at anybody that put Bird up there. I'm not mad at anybody that puts Julius Irvin up there. I'm not. I'm not mad. But this is mine, and um, I would go MJ, Kobe, Braun, uh, Magic, and then I go Kareem as well. Uh, when you look at Kareem, I, I don't think he's spoken about enough. You know, that's why I respect you so much for putting him in your top five. Uh, when, when you look at a Sorry, uh, 15-time all-time NBA player, 11-time all-defensive player, two-time scoring champion as a, as a center, bro, uh, 19-time all-star, four-time block champ, and a 16, six-time NBA champ, six NBA MVPs, bro. You know, two finals MVPs, and we know who we played with. I mean, Kareem, I don't think it's spoken about how great of a career he had. And, you know, I think that he has to be up there. And I think it's only so many so many spots up there. But, you know, I mean, Kareem, he had a remarkable career. And it, it's, it's, it needs to be spoken of now. Now, Lowe's, I, I was really uh, going in back and forth and putting Shaq in that top five, bro. I mean... It's an argument, you know. It's, it's definitely an Sha- argument. Shaq is my sixth man. Like, ooh. Yeah, Shaq definitely to me he goes down as one of the top two centers, you know, next to Kareem. Ooh. You know, what about Bill Russell? I like Bill Russell, and he has a lot of rings, but you know, it's just to me what you seen. Was just yeah. So yeah. Dominant, you know, he was the man. most dominant big man ever to play the game. So, um, you know, the NBA is not played that way right now but in this day but just looking back at how athletic Shaq was as a big man yeah and what he did on the court and how he dominated the paint he was just different and I want to say something too about Kobe because uh I'm not I don't really want to give because those we talked about this off air and Kobe was number nine on ESPN rankings and you say a lot of a lot of rankings like you said and I agree with you you said that a lot of these rankings are made so people can talk about it and, and be used as clickbait but I just want to say it on record. I, I think I've said it on a few episodes in the past. But Kobe probably is one of the most skilled players I've ever been privileged of seeing. And I think that he's probably one of the most skilled players ever. And and don't at me on, on Twitter. Don't at me on Instagram. If you, don't, if you haven't watched a lot of Kobe's games and just looking at his footwork, uh, his, his defense, uh, I mean, I don't know if I told this story ago, but, you know, it's guys that like Karan Butler that'll tell a story that he worked out with Kobe one time, drenched in sweat for three hours, 
you know, he thought the workout was done. And then Kobe said, where are you going? You know, now it's time to work on counters. Spending three hours after the your fir- first initial three-hour workout to work on counter moves, which points to how great he is. And I don't think people really understand or respect how good he was or respected it. But like I say, uh, Carlos, I think I, I agree with Matt Barnes. He had a quote and he said, most of these lists are put together by quote-unquote experts. But nobody wants to form a list with former players and peers. It'll be a different list. You you got guys, the list goes on. You got some of the greatest players to ever touch a basketball and AI. You got guys like, uh, you know, Tracy McGrady. You know, you got guys like Dwayne Wade and, you know, his peers, Matt Barnes, his peers, people that played with him, Shaq, you know, even Magic Johnson, people who played the sport and knows how complicated it is saying that he's one of the greatest players of all time, top five. Even, was it Chauncey Billups? I know he spoke well of Kobe, but I think Rip Hamilton said that Kobe is the greatest of all time. And that's somebody that played him, said he was the only guy that he faced on the court that he was actually afraid to play. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I told you this off air. I, I don't think Kobe, even when he was playing and even when he was alive, he ever got the respect that he deserved. You know, yeah. and, and it's 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 just, I don't know, it's, it's almost sickening. But like I said, I don't get into these debates. You know, I know my sports, and I think anybody that knows sports or knows basketball will say that Kobe's in their top five. You know, so. So, um, so yeah, man. So, top five NBA players—that's interesting, bro. So, um, so there's been reports that the NBA season may complete continue as early as July. They're negotiating for a location in Orlando. Uh, would you? I got a question for you. Would you rather them just start with the playoffs? With the seating as is right now, would you prefer for them to end the season then, then go into the playoffs? I think they have to do some sort of uh, either, you know, and I would think they. I don't, I, I wouldn't like if they jump straight into the playoffs. You wouldn't. I wouldn't. Tell I me mean, more. I, I feel like they need to do some type of play in, in fairness to those teams that were fighting for that eight spot. It's easy for me to say this as a Lakers fan, right, that's on the top of the West, that's got their spot secured. But as a team that was fighting for that playoff spot was only two or three games back from that eight seed, I think it's something that should be done for those teams, um, you know, that was fighting for that spot because who knows how the season would have ended, you know, and who would have gotten to that eight seed spot with Memphis currently holding it down. So I think they need to do something, you know, with which I was um, reading on um, – Shams um, Twitter, they have a couple of options, couple of options out there, you know. And the options include, um, you know, expanding the playoffs, putting in those teams that are those bubble teams um, that were on that AC into the playoffs, and then they, that first round being those teams playing it out, and then moving to the traditional um, playoff setting in the um, second round. So that's an option, you know. I know they talked about, you know either cutting the season short to like maybe 76 games or something like that, not playing the full season and just seeing how it finished. And of course you had an option where they say, Hey, let's just jump straight into the playoffs with the settings and the standings was let's do it now. 
I think that's probably the least fairness of it all. It's just jumping straight in. So I think they at least got to do something for those teams that were fighting for the playoff spot. My thing is, I would prefer us to just start with the playoffs. At the, at that point that the NBA season got canceled, it was only what lost like two three weeks left in the season. It, it was canceled May. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, March twelfth. So it's about a month and a half ish. Yeah, so you're looking yeah. at about yeah three. Like I said, yeah, about a month left. You know. I, I really don't feel like I mean the West could have got interesting down the stretch, but they got some terrible teams that are, you know that that we know not gonna make the playoffs. So why 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 finish the game? I think if you're gonna be in one location, I think they just need to see the teams as they are now as they finish. You know, uh, things have happened beyond our control as far as the virus. So I, I feel like it'll be pretty pointless to just to finish the season. I think they just need to go ahead and seed them. And run with the playoffs, bro. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that that's probably the less um, chance of anything happening. The less games, the less, you know, chances of virus spread and things of that nature, obviously. But, again, I think they have to do a mixture of both, you know, um, because, again, you're going to have, you know, and they said a survey was sent out to all the NBA GMs with those questions. You know, how would y'all like to proceed when the season starts back in July? Would y'all like to proceed with just now? Or would y'all like to play some play-in games? Would y'all like a small tournament play-in for that AC? Things of that nature, you know, is being asked. And, you know, at the end of the day, everyone's not going to be happy, you know, with what this, the decision ultimately Adam Silver got to make in July. But, you know, I think you got to do the closest thing to fairness to everyone. And that's why I think they're going to have to do something for those teams, their bubble teams that had a month, month and a half to – at least try to catch that AC, um, you know, and I know things have been mentioned out there. And part of that art article that Sham sent out was that they're mentioning seeding um, the teams one through 16, like a last, like, you know, the college mm-hmm. game. So, which makes it interesting. Because, I'll be with it. Right. Which makes it interesting because the Lakers then were fighting for that one seed. If you remember, we had came off beating the Bucks and beating the Clippers we came off two big wins, you know, and rolling into that last game that we played. Yeah. And so that would give the Lakers a chance to get that number one seed and ultimately play the worst team going into the playoffs if they end up seeding, um, you know, uh, if they end up playing more games and reseeding, then we'll be able to catch the Bucks. Uh Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind a play-in game. I, I like that. Um, I think that the main thing they got to do is uh, – it's just, you know, figure it out, do what's best for, for what, what it is. But I feel like it's, it makes no sense to drag this out. Because, I mean, you looking at trying to play regular season games and do the playoffs, bro. Like, I mean, that's going to delay next season. Which next season, I feel like this season is ruined as is. I feel like you just need to go ahead and get this season out the way. Because I feel like regardless of what they decide, I feel like whatever team wins this championship is going to have an asterisk by it anyway. Uh, the Lakers were on a good run. I feel like the Lakers were the favorite. I think we was in a good rhythm going into it. We had beat the Pelicans. We had beat the, um, like you said, the Clippers. We had beat the Bucks. So, we really was clicking. So, I mean, the fact that you got to go through training cramp over again. I heard, you know, they had reports that LeBron was is uh, doing uh, workouts at his house in, in a private location or whatever. You know, so, 
I mean, I just feel like, man, just jump into the playoffs, bro. I mean, I, I love to see that play in, though. But it's kind of messed up if you, like, 15 games, you only won 15 games this season and you win the play-in game and then be in the playoffs, that'll suck. But I I feel like, as well, I I feel like whatever decision is made, it can't be looked at as if this is a normal NBA season. You know, like I said, I mean, this season is ruined already. You really just have to really just do what makes sense as far as a time frame-wise to where players aren't putting themselves at risk. Um as well as not putting fans at risk. Uh, you, you also want to consider the NBA draft when it's coming up, the rookies and training camp next year. You kind of want to kind of do damage control and kind of make sure that this thing don't ruin next season as well. So that's my look on it. But I don't know. What, when they said, Los, I think they said June 1st they should have a decision. Uh, yeah, so um, definitely they said June to mid, about mid-June starting um, – training camp and stuff like that and then by the end of July the season start back or whatever format they have starting back and then with the thought of the season going all the way to maybe um, October sometime frame if they have to and then you know starting a new NBA season um, just on Christmas Day I know it's been mentioned mentioned as um, a time to start the new season Christmas Day New Year's time frame is when they'll start next season so everything's going to kind of get pushed back. And then this ultimately might – this is going to change, I think, the NBA and their process and when things happen for years to come. Because, again, if you push one season back, each season after that is going to have to get pushed back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, this is going to be – they definitely, I think, they have to crown a champ. You know, um, I think it's only fair, you know, to those players that put in work this year. Um, and they, and it's going to be some risk, you know, and um, – you know, and they, those players understand that, I think, but they still want, because they know it affects their money, you know. Um, yeah, they say that they're going to be making less this this upcoming see the cap going to shrink. Right, and so a lot of these players, you know, that have these options this this going into this offseason, they're talking about going to pick up these options. So, like, a lot, you know, Anthony Davis, you know, he was talking about opting out and signing long-term or signing, you know, here and there, but he might now – you know, these players got options. They're going to opt in, guarantee their money now, and then maybe decide later on how they're going to do it. So it's going to be a lot of – a lot of this is going to have a snowball effect on a lot of things. Yeah. It's not just one thing that it affects. It affects off-season planning. It's, it is affects scouting for the NBA draft. I think they even have delayed or canceled the NBA combine. You know, summer yeah. league probably is not going to happen. So right. it's – it's pretty big deal, man. Uh, but I'm just happy that they're that they're op- cautious, cautiously optimistic that we will see some more basketball. Um, it's kind of optimistic as well to see that the NFL is saying that we're planning to have the season as is. Uh, they're not really too concerned about the COVID lasting that long or being a threat that long. I don't know. Or do they just don't care? Which I doubt they care, but. You know that, that's kind of optimistic. I saw the Saints. My Saints say that they haven't. They're planning to have training camp as follows. If you know, if the if you know history goes, um, if if it goes as follows, you know, unless somebody of uh, the government or someone tells them they can't. Um, but that's that's a good transition into the NFL um, as well. Uh, just looking at the the scope of the NFL, uh, they've already had their draft and everything. Off season gonna look a little different, man. Like. These rookies not really getting that that off season that they normally get, you know. I think uh, they're doing a lot of virtual stuff, but uh, 
You know, even though the NFL saying they having training camp and that they plan on filling these stadiums up until you know, unless something changes, which is right. which is good for us fantasy players, I guess. Right. I mean, yeah, it's gonna it, it it just shook up a lot of stuff, and you know, I mean, I know us sports heads and stuff think about that. It just it shook up families, you know, it shook up just the, the way of life, you know, you're going out, you know, and it's just, you know, not to get too deep into this, but it's just, you know, when you think about interacting with people now, you know, you, everyone, you know, with the mask and shaking hands and things of that nature, you know, it's taking a lot of that, you know, a lot of kids now being born into this type of world, you know, and it's just, this is forever right now. And I was telling my wife, this is that, you know, this will, we, right now we're living through history, you know, this will be written in books. You know how big and huge this was, and just the realization of that is just huge for me. You know, it's just like, um, you know, I know sports is our thing, but it's just it's, it's bigger than that. Yeah, it's definitely bigger than sports, and you know, I'm not trying to, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to minimize what the impact has had. We've been in, we've been as well as Roman has been impacted by this thing, uh, you know, and, and something that we witnessed, you know, close to us, and you know, I. We just got to, you know, we got to do what's best for our safety. And we got to do what's best for each other. And like I was telling you again off air, you know, I think different shutdowns affected different people. Like when they shut down the NBA and canceled the season, it was like, okay, this thing is serious. You know, how responsible was it for the NBA to say, we're not going to have any more games way before it was told that they shouldn't. You know, even concert uh, concert, uh, concert companies, you know, touring companies that set up these venues. They canceled the tour dates and everything. You know, the amusement parks. You know, different different parts of, of facets of the world shut down to to be responsible as far as to keep people safe. So, I'm knowing that the NFL and even the NBA they're gonna come together and make the best decision that that there is. But you know, my prayer is just everybody just stay safe and not only protect yourself and your family but protect uh others around you you know cover up when you can stay distant still wash your hands keep a mask on if you are in public you know we don't know what this thing we don't have a vaccine right now so we got to treat this thing you know with as much importance as not more when that curve was rather large now that it's flat and we just got to keep on doing the same thing we're doing so it's funny how different things in the world can happen. Even though we love sports, it still filters into sports. And it's still, that's why sports are so wonderful. It brings everybody together, but still, everybody go through the same stuff. But it brings everybody together. And even though that's, you know, you may say that's political or that's health, it still impacts sports. So, right. sports is a part of everything. So, so on that football note, man, your boy A-Rod, man, in Green Bay. I think we touched on it a little bit on either on our IG Live I don't know if we talked. We didn't talk about it on the. We didn't talk about the NFL draft on the podcast. No, I don't not think. much of it, you know. Um, but uh, but uh, I think we did talk about it on IG Live, though. Yeah, about Jordan Love, uh, Green Bay dra- drafting Jordan Love, a quarterback, and A Rod got you know he got about a good five years left. I would think, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, he's still gonna play well into his forties, though. So. Definitely. I mean, that's that's the new norm now. Uh, but I mean, we, I mean, Green Bay. You know, we talked about them, them not drafting uh, a weapon for him because in this deep wide receiver draft. Oh well, A. Rod finally had something to say about that, and uh, he talked about it, and he just said, "Of course, I'm not elated that we draft a quarterback." But he said the politically right thing. He just said he's gonna go out there and get it, 
go out there and do his job, you know, it's apparent that we're building for the future. But, I mean, I don't know how I feel about it, bro. Like, you draft a Jordan Love and A-Rod. I mean, clearly, you know, you got Matt LaFleur. I guess that has a part to do with it. They want to really get him a guy he can groom. But I thought that A-Rod, the whole reason they got Matt LaFleur because he really respected Matt LaFleur. Yeah, I mean, there were some rumblings and rufflings last year that they kind of butt heads because, you know, um, the whole, you know, I think the thing is with A-Rod, he has that big ego, you know, and rightfully so. The things that he's done in the NFL since his time being in there and him being a good player, you know, and they bringing in a young head coach, you know, what is this young head coach? No, it was kind of that feel with them all last year, even though they went 13-3 and last year with a good record, ultimately losing in the playoffs. But, um, you know, so – I think that friction and then you always, it always goes back to the money. You know, you think about A-Rod's deal, you know, at some point he's going to get paid like maybe over 40 million a year, you know? So you look back at the money, you know, and then you look at, you know, his age, you know, those teams start making calculated decisions, you know, and it's the same thing that happened with Brett Favre. Brett Favre got up in age, you know, and got, they drafted Aaron Rodgers at the same age Aaron Rodgers is right now when they drafted Jordan Love. So this team has a history of doing this, and it's worked out for them. But, you know, who's to say down the road five years from now when Aaron Rodgers, or three to three to five years from now when Aaron Rodgers is on a different team, and let's say Jordan Love is tearing up the league. We'll look back on it right now. We can look back on the Brett Favre decision and say that um, that was a correct decision, even though everyone kind of did it like this Jordan Love decision. You know, it was kind of like, oh, why'd they do that? Why'd they draft him? But, you know, right now, Aaron Rodgers is probably one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game. So who's to say Jordan Love, you know, I'm not crowning him yet. You know, a lot has to happen. He has to improve. He has to be a great player. Um, and he's under a good player to do that. But we might look back on this and be like, you know what? It didn't make sense at the time. But right now, I get it. It's a cheaper option, and he is tearing up the league. Yeah, those, those are valid points. Uh I don't have anything to add on to that. I agree with you. I mean, I mean, when you make moves like this, I mean, scary money don't make none. You got to take risks. Those are the those are the people that are successful. Like you say, it's worth one. I ain't going to repeat what you said. I just agree with you. I like what you said. <laughs> I like what you said a glad, lot. Glad I can convince you, bro. Yeah, yeah, I like what you said. Um, my only thing, you know, I look at my team in the Saints. I mean, there's really no right way to exit out or usher out a Hall of Fame or a future Hall of Fame or greatest of all time quarterback. But I will say that if there was a way to do it, I think that it's being done in New Orleans with my team. And I think that it's an interesting thing when you evaluate what we did. Uh, I think Drew has been signing. He signed two years. Uh, and then now he signed. Uh, ooh, did he sign another two years or one year? I think it was one year because then he has CBS lined up afterwards. Right, right. So, I mean, when you look at how we're doing him, we basically – and it's kind of, you know, I call it kind of the Laker-esque type deal. I think that's what we did with Kobe. On his way out, we allowed him to make – which at the time was one of the big – was the biggest country in the NBA where he made $25 million a year. I think he signed a two-year $50 million contract. And, you know, it's, you, you, you pay the guy for what he's done for the franchise. I mean, he, he may be aging, but – you know, what he's done, and that's the same thing with Drew. Like, Drew brought us our first and only Super Bowl. So, we, we you know, kind of like we're not going to – he leaves on his own terms. 
And I, I feel like it's been plenty of opportunities dating back to 2017 when we could have drafted his replacement. And we have not. I mean, one, one would have thought they would have done it this year. We didn't do it. And, and on, on the other hand, what we did, we, we patented up that, that line to protect him. I think that we have created a place where QBs in the future will look how we handled Drew and they'll want to come play with, our, with a franchise. Like uh, same with Kobe, when they looked at how we treat our franchise player and what he's done for us and see how we ushered him out, they'll be, that, that, that makes a great free agency landing spot for him. So when you look at Green Bay and the history that they've had, they run the risk of creating a situation where QBs aren't going to really want to come play there because they know that we will draft your replacement four years ahead on on the back of saying, oh, well, we got to build for the future. Man, they got great quarterbacks coming out every draft class. You know, for the past couple of years, we've seen superstars in every – superstar quarterbacks in every draft, like literally. You know, from 2016 up to this point, uh, from Deshaun Watson, uh, Dak, um, free, uh, shoot, Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes yeah, yeah. Uh, crap, yeah, uh, Sam Jack- came Jackson, Jackson, bro, that's not a quarter. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm thinking about uh, Aaron Donald. <laughs> you always do that, man. You always think Sam Donald. Is one of them. <laughs> yeah, so you got Lamar Jackson. Sam Donald, yeah. you know, um, those are all quarterbacks that came out and they're killing the league right now. Yeah, man. yeah, that, so. yeah, bro. And you can always draft a quarterback. Uh, 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 nah, I mean, I'm not saying they come from between. That's why they drafted so high. What I am saying is that if you're going to draft a quarterback, an unsure quarterback like Jordan Love, like you could have drafted one later in the round and got right. your superstar future Hall of Fame quarterback, another weapon. All they got is Devontae Adams. Like, even us this year, what we went and did, we went and got – we needed a, a number two, so we went and got Emmanuel, you know. Um, and, you know, you, you got to do that, bro. You got to you gotta give your guy weapons. You got to give your guy a chance. You know, yeah. you got to give him a chance. Like, I know Devontae Adams, like, uh, are we trying to win? Like, Right. You know, it, it's just, you know, like Deshaun Watson with the Texas do You trade away D-Hop and replace him with Brandon Cooks? Right. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's head-scratching moves, you know, for an organization, you know, and at the time. You know, and I know a lot of those, you know, back in the day who the players, you know, Brett Favre played with, you know, when they drafted, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know, was scratching their head like, what direction are we going? Are we trying to win now or are we building for the future? So, especially off a team that was off a, I think the most confusing part is a team came off a thirteen and three, NFC Championship birth. You know they didn't end up winning and going to the Super Bowl, of course. But uh, thirteen and three team, you know, end up losing to the Forty ers Who anybody oh, would have lost to? <laughs> right, right. You're going to draft a backup quarterback that's going to at least sit for a year or two. So I can understand that confusion of it. You know, it's like let's add something else to this this team that was a game away from the championship. So I get that side of it. And yeah. I do want to correct myself real quick before we move on, Rob. Yeah, he did sign a two-year, $50 million deal with the Saints. Um, obviously, with the last year of that deal being voided, you know, um, just to fit him under the cap. And he didn't sign with CBS. He signed with NBC to join NBC after he, he finishes his career. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was like a PTI moment. You know how to do the arrows at the end? <laughs> oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, man, uh, 
it, I, you hate to see uh, and then I, I think too I mean I don't know what George, I don't know the specifics of Green Bay and, and what what was their next pick but I mean isn't they, wasn't they kind of high for Jordan Love would he, would I mean, he, I think he, mock draft I saw, he I actually saw them, he was going to the Saints and before that pick, you know, a lot of people deemed him as a first round pick. First round, he had first round quality and talents, you know, he didn't necessarily put it together last year because he had a down year, but the year before he, when he, you know, had more weapons and a more complete team around him is when he put up, you know, where a lot of players were comparing him to Patrick Mahomes. You know, that happens every year. You have a player that takes the lead by storm. And everybody try to find that next player. Yeah. And so that's what I think got him in that first round conversation is he had tools, he is mobile, and he, you know, he's a gunslinger, you know. And so everyone kind of looked at this like, okay, maybe he can be my Patrick Mahomes. You know, we can groom him a little bit. There's so only one Patrick that, Mahomes. Right. And there's only one of them, you know. A lot that, of people and, are and, trying and to find that. Those back to our conversation, I know I, I kind of capped it off to say what's the next basketball athlete that could kind of mirror or be on that MJ-esque, Kobe-esque level, I think Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I mean. Regardless I, of sport. He, he, you know, and I was reading, I was on, you know, on Twitter, of course, um, and, you know, he scares a lot of fans. You know, you're just reading comments on the post that, you know, Adam Scheffner and Ian Rappaport and those big-name guys kind of put post out there. They're always saying, like, you know, because, uh, you know, the, the talk is that the league is going away, right, from not necessarily going away, but they're going to give teams options for the onside kick, doing a like fourth and 15 instead of an onside kick. Mm-hmm. And so reading under those posts and, you know, those, like, Raiders fans, really, you know, um, or under the post, no, thank you. We got to play Patrick Mahomes. This guy average his QBR on fourth and whatever is this. You know, that's just a free whatever for him. You know, if he's down 14 points, can easily come back. You know, he puts fear in the hearts of fans alone because of what he can do. That's, a, that's what MJ crazy. did. That's what MJ did. Right. So, yeah, I can yeah. see that. Yeah. So, um, man, that, that I think that's about it, bro. Like, yeah. I mean, fun. we got to save it all because it ain't really much going on in sports. So, if we think of something when we stop recording, we'll just record it next episode. <laughs> <laughs> so let's do this, man. Let's do this. We're back, man. We're back. We wrapped it up. Great episode, bro. It's good to see you. I'm glad you and your family are safe. Congratulations again on your newborn. Shout out to Ramon again. Uh, we we can't wait till you get back to where we can record again, man. We did it again this year. We wasn't playing. We wasn't playing. We did it again. We came back like the full five. Man, what better way, what what more appropriate way to go out that way uh, in shouting out MJ from another great Jay-Z. Uh, again, man, we appreciate all the support. We reloaded. We got some clips in the in the, in the cut, so we're going to let them loose. Uh, like we said, like Los eloquently stated earlier, please follow us on Instagram. And Twitter at O underscore Benchwarmers. And also uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, um, what is the other one? With the Android. Google Play. And just, you know, anywhere where you listen to your podcast, make sure that you leave a review. and, and everywhere, man. Yeah. 
and let let your friends know that you found a, a great pop sports podcast to listen to. We appreciate the feedback. So hit us either us. Our Twitter names are on the bottom of the screen for those that may be viewing us on YouTube. Uh, as well, shout out to y'all, man. And when the YouTube re- information release, we'll get that to you guys. And make sure that you start subscribing, man. That'll really help us. As subscribing is very important. So we appreciate all the support uh, for the YouTube viewership. You can just check out what we have on in the video if you can see it. These will be on sale very, very soon. Information and details will be out very, very soon on that as well. Until the next time, we out of here. We appreciate y'all for hanging out into us. Again, shout out Ramon, our brother. We can't wait till you get back. And we out. Yeah, man.